Welcome to the Yerdiwaze Front Page Podcast. In this episode, we speak to Gunawage Peacekeeper's Public Relations Officer Kyle Zachary about the recent increase in drinking and driving cases in the territory. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Hey everyone, my name is Jordan Standup. I'm the assistant editor here at Yerdiwaze, and today I have a special guest joining me in studio. It's Mr. Kyle Zachary, who is the public relations officer from the Gunawage Peacekeeper. So welcome to the studio this morning, Kyle. Thank you for having me. So Kyle's in this morning to talk to us about uh, a rather serious issue, something that the peacekeepers have been um, going public with, especially as of late. But it's a message that's always coming from the peacekeepers, which is that it's never safe to drink and drive. So, Kyle, can you tell me about some of the incidents we've been seeing as of late? There's been an increase in some of these situations, I understand. Uh, Well, I mean, every year around this time when the weather starts getting nicer, then we see our impaired driving files increase. It's just that's the way it it always has been. The, The nicer weather rolls around, people feel like... Oh, we, we, we see a lot of traffic uh, violations when the warmer weather comes around also. So it's not just impaired driving. It's, it's the nicer weather. People feel more like, free to do what, what they want. And they just uh, now is a time to really think about impaired driving and how you can avoid it, how you can uh, and what can happen if you are caught during it. So. We've been putting out, uh, I put out a video, a Just the Facts video, I think a week or two ago. Uh, we've partnered with KCS to uh, put out that message uh, on uh, preventing impaired driving. You know, they're, they're putting out things too. They have, they have a really cool graphic they just put out the other day that I shared on our uh, Facebook page as well. Um, so it, it, to say that it, it, it's, it's been an increase is true, but it, we see this every year. When spring and the nicer weather comes around, it's just it's part of life on the for for peacekeeper. In terms of uh, stats or numbers, Kyle, do you have anything in terms of what we've been seeing over the last month or so? I do actually. I, I had a feeling you would ask me that, so I went back and I looked through our files uh, system. It's called the RMS. So it's 2023. Uh, we're six months into 2023. We have 48 impaired driving files that have been opened since since January. You compare that to 2022, uh, for the entire year, we had 92. So it looks like it's about the, the, the same. The, uh, the levels of impaired, the numbers are kind of falling where they always have. Just to put that into further context, 2021 we had, there was a drop from uh, 21 uh, actually, for, there was an increase from 21 to 22. So in 2021, we had 76, 77 in 2020, 84 in 2019. That had, uh, there was a lot of uh, people not around, right? In 2019, it was the height of the pandemic. So there was a lot of, there was, there was a bit of a decrease with uh, impaired driving. Not by much, of course. If we look at the numbers, it's like the 10, 10 number, 10 files off. So. It, it it looks like the numbers remain steady uh, going all the way back to 2018 at 77 in 2018. So 
77, 84, 77, 76, 92, 48 this year. So the, the, the numbers, they kind of fall in the same range year to year. So we haven't, like the most we've had in the last five years is last year at 2022 with uh, 92 files. So that information has been brought to the forefront directly to the public from the peacekeepers. You guys have teamed up, as you mentioned already, with KSCS. What are some of the other things that the peacekeepers are doing in the community to try and, you know, battle these uh, these cases and the rising of these cases? Uh, well, I, a lot of times it's just officer presence. So what we do, especially when the warmer weather comes around, is you'll see teams start doing spot checks. So they'll have operations focusing on impaired driving where they'll basically find a spot, uh, usually on like a busy, busier part of the road and just set up shop there and like assess sobriety as the drivers are coming through. That's one of the things uh, that we as police officers have the right to do. We can stop any car at any time to verify sobriety, to verify driver's license, the validity of the license. That's uh, we use that. We make take advantage of that law. It's one of the one of the things we do to really uh, mitigate the rise of impaired driving. So for maybe people who aren't uh, necessarily as familiar, Kyle, can we maybe talk about some of the uh, consequences that people could face, you know, if they are caught, you know, drinking and driving or if uh, they're even using drugs and driving? Absolutely. So uh, for alcohol, um, you are impaired if you have a blood alcohol concentration of 80 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood. And that's within two hours of driving on either end. So two hours before, two hours after. Um, it's like, that's just the like legal talk. Really, we're only dealing with impaired drivers after the fact. So, but we, they've, they've given us, it's, there's a law change that happened. It was April, 2017, where the laws changed. And that gave us a, a more tools to use in, in investigating impaired driving. So if we look at like first offense, second offense, there are mandatory minimums for a sentence. So if it's your first offense ever, there's a mandatory minimum sentence of a thousand dollar fine. And on the other end of that, the maximum that you can get for a first offense is a 10 year prison term. It's rare that someone would ever serve 10 years for a first offense impaired driving. But that's just like covering their own behinds, right? To because depending on like the level of impairment, if there's a collision, if there's an injury, if there's a death, like the it always it all goes up. All of these numbers. So uh, first offense, the mandatory minimum uh, is uh, the thousand dollar fine. For a second offense, mandatory minimum is a thirty day prison sentence. Okay, and then for your third offense, you have hundred and twenty days. And then for each one after that, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up. It's still the maximum stays where it is. It's always at 10 years, but the minimum raises with every uh, subsequent offense. It's not just for alcohol either. There are, there are impaired driving charges for drugs, cannabis especially. That was an, another, another thing that um, when I was dealing with KSCS for this uh, campaign, that they've, they've heard from people that, uh, well, cannabis is legal now, so I can, I can smoke weed and I can go in for a drive or I can drive while I'm smoking weed. And that's just, that's not the case. It's still an impair, uh, it's an intoxicating substance, meaning that when you put it in your body, it has a reaction and it causes certain 
physiological effects. So there are numbers, uh, there are limits for uh, THC in the body, uh, specifically for cannabis, it is five nanograms of THC per 100 milliliter of blood. So a nanogram is just like, it's a unit of like the THC, which is the, the ingredient in cannabis that causes the, the, the high feeling. So it, that's, there, there are ways to measure that. The peacekeepers right now, we don't have that kind of capability to measure the exact nanograms. What we do have are drug recognition experts. So we have three actually on our roster. Uh, and a drug recognition expert, all they do is, well, I say all they do, they, it's months worth of training that they've done. So <laughs> that I don't want to minimize their efforts, but uh, they can observe a subject and they can tell exactly what kind of substance they're on and uh, if they're impaired by it. Because there are certain things that happen to your body, right? When you're, when you're drinking, when you're taking drugs, certain physiological effects happen that you, you just can't hide. And I know there's a you hear about people, oh, I, I, I took some gum and they, they didn't even notice, but you know, like that, that's not true. It's not a factual thing. Like drinking water is super fast before you're, you, you blow into the breath. It doesn't do anything. It's, uh, it's blood alcohol. Con it's the concentration of alcohol in your blood or the, this, uh, THC. There's also like, there are also ways to tell about uh, if a driver is on another kind of substance, not just THC, but uh, any other kind of drugs, hard drugs. So any detectable amount of, let's say, LSD or uh, psilocybin, which is mushrooms, magic mushrooms, ketamine, PCP, cocaine, methamphetamine, any level of that in your blood is, you're considered impaired driving. Well, with THC, it's the the uh, nanograms, five nanograms of THC. And uh, for GHB, which uh, I, I believe is the uh, abbreviation for the, uh, the date rape drug, if you have five milligrams or more per liter of blood, you're considered impaired and you can't be operating a motor vehicle. So amongst the consequences, um, something that we were actually just discussing before we started recording, Kyle, was the, the idea that people would eventually, in some circumstances, would have to get a machine installed into their vehicle in order to be able to get back on the road at some point. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's called an interlock device and they can be, they're used to shorten a prohibition time. So when you get, when you are arrested for impaired driving, your your license is uh, suspended for a certain amount of time. Uh, you can apply to have one of these interlock devices installed in your vehicle. And all it is is basically a breathalyzer, like your own personal breathalyzer. It is, is connected to the car's ignition and you have to be able to introduce a breath sample into this instrument and have it be clear of alcohol for your car to actually start. There is a wait period. So if it's your first offense, there's no wait period. I, sh I should say that. First offense, no wait period. You can apply for it and you can get it right away. If you've had a second offense, you have to wait three months. You have to, you, you have to experience the consequences, right? And then a third offense is six months and it, it increases. And, and then after a certain, I am not sure the exact uh, number of offenses, but then they can just order you to have one permanently. 
And so, and, and there are fees associated with with having this particular machine. Yeah, in your yeah, vehicle. fees and like even installation is it's it's pricey. It's not a, a cheap thing. So I don't have the uh, the price of what that is uh, to install one right now. And just in like fifteen years of experience dealing with prosecutors and other lawyers, you know, it's estimated that like. When you have an impaired driving offense and you need to go to court for it, when you're talking about lawyer fees and fines and all that, where you're looking at anywhere up to and including $10,000 just to defend yourself from your, your charge. That's not even including the punishments that come afterwards, fines and, you know, so and it's, it's something to think of, you know, I don't think a lot of people are aware of the real consequences that come and not just like. Safety wise, right? There are safe safety consequences to impaired driving, like collisions, injuries, deaths. You know, the impaired driving is the number one killer in this country. You know, but there are like financial uh, fallbacks to not, not fallback. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but there's there there's a fine system. It's meant to deter and to say like we don't we have more impaired drivings cases in Kahnawake compared to other places. I don't know if that's accurate. I, I think it's the same across the board. Wherever you go, you'll find people who will, oh, I can have a few and I can drive. I'll be okay. You know, and I mean, you, 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 we want people to make better choices. You know, that's, uh, that's why we're here. <laughs> you know, if you look at the uh, the crime files on any particular week and you see um, an item that might pertain to to DUI, you usually see an acronym FST. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the the FST as that pertains to drinking and driving? Absolutely. So an FST is an abbreviation for uh, it stands for field sobriety testing. So there are a few ways that we can do these FSTs. The first is a series of physical coordination tests. Kind of like what you see on TV, you know, what you see on TV, it's not like touching your nose, you know, that's kind of a, a dramatization, but there are, uh, there's a, a walk and turn test where you observe the person, the, you have them walk 25 meters, 25 meters back, and they have to walk heel to toe. And there are certain like criteria for like the way they turn and then they come back. So. When you're explaining these things, you're watching the subject. You're seeing if they can listen to you, if they're uh, coherent enough to understand what you're saying to them, if they can follow your directions. There is another test. It's for the horizontal gaze nystagmus. It's a big, uh, big name. Basically, it, it means uh, they, they take a pen and they hold it a couple of maybe a foot or so away from your face, from the tip of your nose, and you just ask the subject to follow it. Because with uh, alcohol, one of the effects it has is when you're, you're tracking of your eyes. So if you move left to right, when you're not impaired by alcohol, it's smooth movement. But if you have alcohol in your system, if you're impaired, you can see that the eyes kind of jump. They're like little stutter steps that the eyes do. So it's like, I'm making noises. I've realized this is a podcast. You, nobody can see what I'm doing. <laughs> it, it does. It does help yeah. for a visual. It does. <laughs> so that's uh, that's another thing that we look for. And then there is a balance test where uh, you keep your hands at your side and you lift one foot six inches off the off the ground and you hold it there basically while the officer will count uh, one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. The, the officer can count for 
as, as long as he needs to, to see if this person can, is balanced, can, can have balance. And those are uh, physical coordination tests. So otherwise we have field sobriety. It's an FST unit. It's like a portable little breath breathalyzer. It's, uh, it's about the size of like, Remember when uh, vaping became like suddenly popular and they had those vape cartridges and they were about the size, like the size of a, an old Walkman. Yeah, they were rather large. They were big. Yeah. So these FST units are about that same size and it has a little hose on the top of it or, or a breath, a mouthpiece that's kind of shaped like a hose. And you, you basically you form a tight seal around it and you blow into it like you're trying to blow up a balloon. I always tell when I always told people when I would do with them that it's like you're trying to blow up a balloon with one breath. So you take a deep breath and you just like that's how long it takes to usually get a, a decent sample. And the sample the, the instrument is it's almost foolproof. It's easy to use, it's easy to understand its results and it, it'll give you three results uh, based on the level of sobriety of the uh, subject. So there's a, a, a pass range, which means you have zero to just below the legal limit. So you're like, okay, you're pass. You're, you're below the limit. You can go. Uh, there's a caution, which puts you anywhere between 80 and 100 milligrams of alcohol. So even if you blow a caution, you could still be over the legal limit. You could still be considered impaired. Usually what happens when we find a caution like that is we will impound the car for the night and we'll get the driver home safely. You know, it doesn't have any charges. There's no arrests made. It's kind of a courtesy, you know, like, okay, look, you're on the borderline, but we'll, uh, we'll get you home. We'll get your car. We'll put it in the impound lot for the night. Tomorrow you can come and you can get it out and you can go about your business. And then there's a fail. It means you're over the legal limit and you could be significantly over. And that's when an arrest happens and they're brought, the subjects brought back to the police station where they do a, a bigger test with a qualified technician on a, it's a much bigger instrument. It's about the size of an old typewriter and it has a big long hose on it with a, another mouthpiece and, that has chambers like breath chambers that you blow into the instrument and it goes into these chambers and the, you can hear the dials turning the filters to measure the breath sound. it does these internal calculations and it, it'll give you an exact blood alcohol content and that that especially is foolproof like it comes out in a nice easy to read graph so it's like the x and y axis and then you, you, it gives you a dotted line that shows how your, your breath, how many liters of breath you gave. And then there's another line that shows how much alcohol is in that, in your, in your system. It's super easy to read, super difficult to, to, to mess up. You know, it's almost idiot proof. And that's the, the whole point of it, right? They have to be easy to understand, to, to send to court so that they can have uh, the evidence for these for this file when it does eventually go. As we were mentioning a little bit earlier, Kyle, when the weather does get to where we are roughly right around now, we do see an increase in the spot check operations from mm -hmm. the peacekeepers. How much of an impact are these spot check operations making on the fight, if you will, against uh, impaired driving in the community? Some officers always, uh, they get annoyed when word gets out that they're doing spot checks. And I'm, I, I never got annoyed. I always thought, well, great. 
everybody knows we're out here. So then, then they won't drink and drive. So, and, and that's for the most part, I, I find that's the case. Like you'll see when they're out on a Thursday or a Friday night or a Saturday night, and they're out in front of like say the uh, Rabaska intersection, that's a busy intersection in town. And, um, they'll go and they, they just, each officer takes a, a different lane because it's a four way intersection, right? So north, south, east, west, each officer takes a different direction and whatever comes up, you assess them and they move on. If they're, they're clear, they, they move on and then they start, they get on their phones, right? Oh, everybody watch out. Spot checks here. Like they think they're, they're like stationary for the evening. Yeah. Or something, yeah. Right? And they, they think that they're like, Oh, they're, they're all, I'll show them. Like I'll let everybody know they're not going to get anyone tonight. That's great. That's great. I don't I prefer to not get anyone for impaired driving. That means nobody is impaired driving, you know, uh, but some, some officers, they, they, they take that personally. They don't like that. But for, for me, I think that's a perfect example of accountability and just being effective as a police service. And I noticed the, it's, it's quite strategic in that a lot of these, uh, I mentioned stationary earlier because of the fact that a lot of people thought, well, you know, the PKs are in front of the church for the night or they're in mm-hmm. front of Rabaska's tonight or the old court, wherever it might be. People thought they always knew the setup slash schedule. But now mm-hmm. I'm noticing that you've mentioned a lot of these uh, spot check op- operations rather are much more mobile. Yeah. And, and uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's the point, right? People, the word gets out, oh, they're here then everybody will go by the other way. So what, what, what some teams do is, okay, we're going to do an hour here, then we're going to do an hour here, and then an hour at this location. And so uh, they, they maximize the, the range of this operation and it, word gets out fast and people stay home. It's, it's, it serves its purpose just about every time. I mean, obviously the message right off the top is for people, anytime you're going to be getting behind the wheel, no drinking, no drugs. We know the the consequences, both, uh, you know, financially, the fact that you could see some jail time. Um, of course, you could injure yourself or even worse, you could mm-hmm. kill somebody or yourself by, you know, taking those those chances. But what are some of the other things that community members could do to kind of safeguard the other community members or what would the peacekeepers encourage around this time of year? Well, we encourage have a designated driver, call a taxi, call a friend, a family member, anyone, you know, it's, it's all about choices. You know, every choice that you make has consequences. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, in terms of impaired driving, consequences are 99% of the time they're negative consequences. And so, yeah, it's just getting that, changing the thinking around impaired driving is the real challenge, right? Because People will think, oh, I just had a few. I had five. I had six. I'm okay. I, I can go. I can drive. And, you know, five, six drinks, you know, you're, you're, you're playing a dangerous game there. You know, like some people have tolerance, right? You see a lot of uh, with um, people who have addictions, alcoholics, uh, they have uh, a, a greater tolerance than like a casual drinker would, right? So you can see like... A person who drinks all day, every day, uh, will have a lower blood alcohol concentration after having five drinks than someone who doesn't, you know? So it, it's, that's why we do use these FSTs as the way to measure these, this blood alcohol concentration, because 
it, it's different for every person. Every person's different. Tolerance is different. You know, body weight, body, you know, body type. It all plays a role. Another thing that I know that you guys are almost always encouraging is that if anybody sees anybody else get behind the wheel to call in and report it. So what kind of information should they be providing when they do call? Okay, that's a really good question. So when when you're calling in any kind of report, not just impaired driving, you want to have as much detail as possible. So for impaired driving, for example, some things you would have to pass on to the dispatcher would be uh, the make and model of the car, a license plate if, you, if you're able to see it, uh, what direction they're going, if you know who the driver is, a, a description of the driver even is, a, is good to have. Oh, he was a man in his 50s, he was wearing a hat and a white shirt, you know, and he, the, the direction that they're heading. So that would give us an area where we know that this car could be in. I feel a lot of the time when people call in, oh, there was this, there's a drunk driver on the Old Malone Highway. Uh, he's going this way. We're going to go where the caller told us the driver's heading. We're not going to go to the Old Malone Highway because by the time we get there, it's likely that this car or this vehicle has moved on. It's, it's a vehicle in motion. This is one of those subjects that I know we could probably talk about all day because of the serious nature of it. And I know that there's a lot of resources and information that you have. Everything that we've covered up until this point, Kyle, was there anything else that maybe you wanted to share on behalf of the uh, peacekeepers when it comes to this very uh, serious subject? Uh, well, I, I mean, I have a few myths, myths and facts here. Like, um, so there's a, a myth, uh, there are certain myths going around like, uh, uh, mandatory alcohol screening permits police to demand a breath sample from people in their homes or bars. That's a, that's a myth. So mandatory alcohol screenings can only be used if uh, the driver uh, is in care and control of a vehicle and has been lawfully stopped. And if the police officer has the approved screening device at hand. So we can't just go into your house and say, blow into this. You know, there's, there has to be a, a stop, a, an interception, a traffic stop and uh investigation has to be done so um the, there's a myth that police can't stop you while you're driving unless you've done something wrong uh we already we've already talked about this briefly before we there is a a section in the highway safety code i believe i, I that's the one thing i didn't have with me what code it is i believe it's 36.6 uh, i might be mistaken but uh, that section of the highway safety code gives a police officer the powers to intercept a vehicle to uh, verify the validity of the driver's license and the sobriety of the driver. So uh, it doesn't matter if you're driving perfectly, 30 kilometers an hour, perfect speed limit. If we've seen enough to uh, reasonably deduce that there could be impaired driving happening, you're going to be intercepted. You're going to have to go through our FSTs likely. And um, if you're, if you're below, if you're, if you pass then great, you can go on your way. But if you're above, then there are, there are consequences. We're going to do what we have to do. And of course, uh, in the case of any emergency, the peacekeepers can be reached at 450-632-6505. Kyle, was there anything else that you wanted to share when it comes to this, uh, this subject today? I don't think so. I just, I'd like to, to have people just consider like other people in our territory. You know, we want to respect our community and we want to protect each other and to make these safe choices and 
that's a way to do it. To not drink and drive, put people at risk, put yourself at risk. Well, thank you for coming in today, Kyle, and sharing this very important information. And thank you for the, uh, the diligent work that you do with the Gunawage Peacekeepers. Well, thank you. Now we'll go up. Thanks for listening to the Yurdiwaze front page podcast. Be sure to check out our other podcasts like Yurdiwaze Profiles, Meatheads, and The Beating Table on Google and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of Yurdiwaze and its employees.